This morning, we switching gears to Luke now. We are in the middle of a, a passage that, or a section where Jesus is having these encounters with the Pharisees and beginning correctives to some of the ways they have decided to do religion or to do their, their practice of holiness. And they've added on all these rules and all these things. And today we come to the Sabbath. And the Sabbath may be a topic that, that you've thought about, you've certainly read it, but we haven't really understood, okay, how does that really work itself out in the church? I mean, the Sabbath literally means seventh day, and so it was Saturday for them. And for us, we're meeting in what we call the, the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. And so how does that work out? And, and we want to explore some of that today. If you've been to Israel with us, you, you'll, you'll understand what I'm going to talk about. But for everyone else, picture yourself Friday morning coming from the hotel, and, and we get on the bus, and it's usually a fairly early wake-up call to the bus. For those of us that aren't morning people, it's a stretch. But we're, we're on the bus and ready to go. And Ronan, our tour guide, gets on the microphone and he says, okay, tonight is Shabbat. Tonight starts Shabbat. And so what I need you to do is tonight we're going to come back to the hotel a little bit early and, and sort of get ourselves ready. And then I want you to put on some nicer clothes and we're going to have a feast together. I've reserved a room in the hotel and we're just going to have a feast together, Shabbat dinner together. Now, if you've never been before, chances are you're going to have some questions. And the the nature of of Ronan and and the way he he treats us is we ask all kinds of questions. And and so you picture the hands going up. What's Shabbat? He says, well, well, that's that's the the Hebrew word for Sabbath. And and then someone else may ask, well, okay, but but that's that's Saturday. Why are we starting tonight? And he says, well, Shabbat goes from sunset on Friday evening to sunset Saturday evening. And that is a time, and others may ask what it's about. And he goes, well, that's a time that we really focus on God's blessing to us and on community. And so that's why we do this big feast together. We'll do some blessings to, to God. And, and even, even those that are, are maybe non-practicing Jews or that aren't necessarily... Um, practicing all the ritual, they'll still celebrate Shabbat and they'll still give blessings to God, the traditional blessings. And he says, but we also bring family and friends together. And this is a chance just to connect, to pause and connect. And um, it's it just really interesting because we don't necessarily think that way when it comes to Sunday or a, a day. And someone else will almost always every year ask, so, okay, you, you said Friday evening around sunset. Can you tell me exactly what time that is? So that way I know to start then. And Ronan, he just laughs. Huh. About sunset. And we're like, no, 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 no. In our Western mind frame where we want to categorize everything, no, no, what time is that? Because we want to make sure we get it. No, 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 no. Relax and enjoy. That's the purpose of it anyway. Don't get all worked up about it. It's around sunset. Come, eat. And then that evening, you come and we dress up and just a little bit collared shirt. If you're on a tour, you don't necessarily have a suit or coat and tie or anything. But man, we break out the collared shirt and we come together and, and we eat just wonderful food. And at the beginning of that, maybe he gives a traditional Hebrew blessing, thanking God for that food. And part of the time is just being together telling stories together. 
I can remember one time we were, we're done with that and going back to our rooms, Pastor Andrew and I were going and um, we get in the elevator and it, we're up pretty high in the hotel at this particular place by the Dead Sea. We get in the elevator and all the lights are lit. And we're like, what? And sure enough, it stops at every floor. And we're just sitting there, standing there, waiting. Every floor. And we didn't realize it, but we had gotten in the Shabbat elevator, the Sabbath elevator. And one of the things that they, they try to do is do no work of any kind on the Sabbath. And so to them, pushing the elevator button was considered work. And so they have, they have um, programmed one of the elevators to just have all of the buttons pushed on the Sabbath. And it'll stop and the doors open, waits about a minute or two, doors close. And you go to the next one, the door's open. I think maybe at some point one of us got off and we went up the stairs because we're like, this is, this is annoying. Which sort of takes away the point of the Sabbath, right? It, we, we, at that point, the, the rules got in the way of understanding the reason and got in the way of understanding the heart of what was going on. Now, were those rules created out of a good spirit or out of a good hope? Yes. But it didn't accomplish that. And that's today. That, 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 the, that's actually what happens when we go to Israel in today. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly how we should interpret the Sabbath. But it's really interesting to see how they practice it. And so many times it's easy with any of our spiritual disciplines or with any of our spiritual traditions to start to pile on all these extras to it so we can understand it because every one of us finds a way to practice holiness with God, right? And the danger is when we start to take our practice that is extra biblical and start to apply it to everyone else and say, this is what needs to happen. And so in your notes, I I put a um, definition of the Sabbath for us, a, a working definition. And my hope is to go through the text in Luke and look at a couple of the correctives that Jesus gives, and then step back and say, let's look at a variety of scriptures and just get a a quick fly-by understanding of the Sabbath this morning. And how can we put this into practice as believers? How can we put the principles into practice, what God was trying to accomplish with this instruction? And the the definition I have there, and and you're going to see this in a variety of definitions and in a variety of things throughout the morning, the Sabbath is a day to rest from our normal work so that we can give the day to the Lord by worshiping and serving Him and by loving and ministering to others. And that's a, a shortened version. A little bit later we'll look at the Westminster Confession, which is like, really long. But this is a summary. The Sabbath is a day to rest from our normal work so that we can give the day to the Lord by worshiping and serving him and by loving and ministering to others. Do you remember the two greatest commands that Jesus said? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love God. And the second is like unto it. You'll, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love others. And, those, and then it, he goes on to say, on these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. Those are a summary, which is why we have it out as you exit, a, a reminder, love God, love others. Those are a summary of everything God wants us to do. So as we come even to something like Shabbat or the Sabbath, we have to say, okay, how does this help me love God? How does this help me love others? 
And those we're going to see with Jesus' correctives, they had forgotten especially the second one. They had tried to make, make a, a piety around it where they felt holy before God, that they were earning God's respect and favor, and they had forgotten completely about the love other portion of it. And in many ways, they had made it about themselves, not about God, not about others. You see that in the definition, right? In the three elements, it's a day of rest from our normal work. So it's a day set apart for a reason. And that reason is to love God and to love others. Turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. As you're turning there, a reminder of what Pastor Andrew brought us last week. Um, Pastor Andrew was talking about fasting last week and and then Jesus gave some instruction about new wineskin and old wineskins and, and cloth. And, and what's happening there is that section is actually part of the section we're doing today as well. And, and what Luke has done is he's created, you've heard me talk about a chiasm. He's created a chiasm where you have two incidents with a teaching in the middle. And that, that those two incidents then point to the teaching in the middle. I like to describe it as a sandwich. And so you have the story of fasting and then you have these two stories of the Sabbath as your bread. The meat in the middle was his instructions about the cloth and that he's come to bring something completely new, not just to patch up Judaism. And that we need to evaluate traditions by how they relate to him. And we need to be open to God's correctives because Jesus is bringing a whole new way of thinking about salvation and about faith. So we come to the second piece of bread in that sandwich in in Luke chapter 6. And one other thing just to to mention, some of you I know are are just very objective people and you are looking for exact rules today to follow. You're going to be disappointed. Because that's not how Christianity works. That's not how God wants us to follow Him. Yes, there's rules to follow. And I'm not saying throw all those out. Ultimately, He wants it to be about a heart. One author said, the true meaning of keeping God's laws is not meticulously following a set of rules and regulations, but rather a life oriented towards loving others and pleasing God. You get love others, love God, love others there, incidentally. And, and the idea is the rules and the instructions simply help point us. They are, they are a tool to point us to loving God and loving others. They are not the end goal. And so today, as we talk about the Sabbath, we're going to talk about a lot of principles that may actually look different for you and I, how we put those into practice. But the principles are the constant of how God wants us to use these. So let's let's jump through the text first and and look at these two stories, and then we'll look at some ways that we can honor the Sabbath, or honor the Lord's Day, rather, and in in our lives today. The first point there in in verses 1 through 5 God gave the Sabbath as a wonderful gift of grace to help us, not to be a burden. God gave the Sabbath as a wonderful gift of grace to help us, to help us thrive, to help us walk with Him. This was a good thing, not to be a burden. And he's going to remind the Pharisees of that in this story. In verse 1, On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. So far, so good? Any problems with that verse so far? There are probably four violations of the Sabbath in that verse. Just in case, any of you that prepared breakfast this morning? How did, no, okay, so, so understand, and 
and, and I'm trying to help us understand the culture. And, and Jesus understands that the, the Pharisees, they were trying to be spiritual, but these traditions had taken a life of their own. And so if you, if you look at the next slide, Don, you get an example of rubbing the, the wheat together and they would take some in their hand and rub it together. And so picture what's happening. It's on the Sabbath day, on a Saturday for them. They're walking through a field. So some would say this probably violates the, the prohibition of taking a journey on the Sabbath because one of the rules is you could only walk 1,999 paces on the Sabbath outside of your, your private domain. And so that was their way of, of taking a, a God-given principle of being careful what you do on the Sabbath and journey, and especially their journeys were often work-related and taking goods places. And, and in fact, it, to such a degree that in some of the, the times in, in the Mishnah is where these rules are, the scribes would maybe take a stool along with them. And they would count as they walked. And if you walked 1,900 paces and put a stool down and sat for a, a period of time, you could pick up that stool and walk 1,900 more paces. Get it? And so now what's their focus? Is it on loving God and loving others and what God wanted the Sabbath to be? No, it's on getting around the rules. And, and so they probably, the disciples would have been violating the, the instruction about taking a journey here. His disciples plucked and ate some heads of, of grain. One of the rules in, in the Mishnah was you're not to, to reap on the Sabbath. You're not to go to your field and reap a harvest. Actually, I think that's a good rule. That's, that's abiding by the intent of the Sabbath to, to take a break from your normal work. But they had applied it to even a, an amount as small as a, a tiny fig if you happened to take that off, you were considered reaping and doing the work of the harvest. They're just walking through and they're hungry. I mean, my kids walk through the kitchen. We're in the Mr. Hungry stage. And anything on the counter disappears. It's like little vacuum cleaners that come through. And, and it's awesome. Unless you're trying to keep to a budget on groceries. <laughs> but... They're just hungry and they're getting something to eat. The disciples here are hungry. They're getting something to eat. We know from the Old Testament the issue wasn't that they were stealing. In fact, the law allowed as you're walking through a field that you could, you could pluck grain and, and people would leave um, grain on the borders and, and you could eat that as long as you didn't use a sickle or have a container that you were putting it in because then you were stealing. Now you're harvesting your neighbor's field. Um, and so that was another breach of the Sabbath here. Um, rubbing in their hands. That was breaking the, the Sabbath law of not um, winnowing or, or separating the, ch- the chaff from the wheat. Um, eating it and preparing it to eat. That was breaking a law that said you couldn't prepare food on the Sabbath. And so right from the start, we're seeing Jesus is, is setting up a corrective for the Pharisees. He's setting up a corrective to the leaders of the time to say, you've missed the point of why I created the Sabbath. This was for your good, to give you time for some important things in life. And you've lost sight of that. Now, we we might think of the Sabbath as just this extra thing. You need to keep in mind that the, the, the people of the time, there were two great commands 
that they were most interested in following. Not, not love God, love others. It was circumcision and the Sabbath. Those were the two rituals that were the most important because those identified them as Jews. That set Israel apart. In fact, we know that the common train of thought was if we could just get everyone to keep the Sabbath properly, the Messiah would return. The irony is the Messiah has returned. (laughs) And they're questioning him and arguing with him. When we think of why God created the Sabbath, it was instituted in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. And the instruction is, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your your gates. And he's giving this command as an act of grace. Do you remember the fall? Do you remember the curse? What was Adam told about his work? It'd be hard. The the, the curse wasn't work. work. Work existed before sin. The curse was that this would be hard. And so God in his grace said, only work six days a week. The seventh day, you don't have to. Now that's an element of trust. Will, will God provide if I don't go harvest? Will God provide if I don't do this? But this is, this is an act of grace where God said, I know that you have to work hard. I know that that's part of the curse and that's a result of your sin. But take the Sabbath and enjoy me. Take the Sabbath and enjoy each other. God meant it as a blessing. That's not how it was taken at the time. It was taken as a burden. And it was a heavy burden to demands of legalism. A couple of other things in the Mishnah. We mentioned that there were 39 categories of things that would be considered work that you were to avoid. Some examples, just so we get an idea of the, the burden that legalism was on, on the people. I, I mentioned about the 1,999 paces. Um, one of the things you were not allowed to do was tie a knot on the Sabbath. So if you, if you happened to have sandals that needed a knot, you were not allowed to tie that knot on the Sabbath. Um, you couldn't sew two stitches. You could sew one, but you couldn't sew two stitches. Um, you couldn't write more than one letter. So two letters, you were in violation. One letter was okay. You couldn't carry anything that included a small child. Now, you could within your house, but you couldn't outside of the house. And so what did that do to new moms? What was that? Kept them at home. They were trapped in their homes on the Sabbath, missing the whole point of what God wanted for the Sabbath. Loving God, worshiping Him, being in community, loving each other. Some of the things you could do if you were a soldier, you could guard the king on the Sabbath. Um, There were some exceptions. If you were um, giving medical aid, you could give medical aid if you were saving a life. You could not give medical aid if it was not saving a life. The person could just bleed until sunset. And and then then you could help them. Um, The other thing they did allow on the Sabbath was helping to deliver a child. Because babies come when babies come. And, and there's no waiting. And so those were some of the, just to give you an idea of, of what was, but this was just very repressive. And so this is the, the setting that Jesus wants to correct because they've missed the blessing that God wants to give.
So they're walking through and they, they commit these violations of the Sabbath according to the Pharisees of the time. And so in verse 2, but some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And they use the you plural there, you and your disciples. And Jesus takes responsibility for his disciples. But why are you doing what is not lawful? You say you're a spiritual teacher. This is wrong. This is unspiritual. You plucked corn. That seems funny to us, but understand, that's the culture that they were in. So Jesus begins to answer. And, and, and he knows that the Pharisees have missed the whole point. Blessing, not burden. And that the origin of the Sabbath was God's merciful design for his creation. But he goes on. He says, and Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And he brings in a really interesting story from the Old Testament to illustrate a point that people are more important than the traditions. Human need is more important than this, this corpus of, of traditions that have been built around um, the, the Sabbath. And he uses a story from King David, one of their heroes. Brilliant. Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and all gave it to those with him. And, and so he goes to the tabernacle, and the bread of presence was put out, ironically, on the Sabbath, and they would put 12 loaves of bread, six and six usually, representing the 12 tribes, and these would be before the Lord. These were sacred bread. No one was allowed to eat them. It looked a lot like that, for instance. And David comes, and, and he's on the run from Saul, and his men are hungry, and he says, we, we, we need to eat. I'd like to take the bread of presence. The priest asked some questions about, about um, clean, unclean. But ultimately, he gave him the bread, and the tradition was changed in that moment to meet the needs, and the, the physical needs of the men. And Jesus uses this story, and, and don't miss the irony. David is being pursued and under duress, and takes this. Jesus is being pursued by the Pharisees. And they would have, I think they would have caught that. They're like, wait a minute. You're putting yourself equal with David, so who does that make us? Um, but, but also Jesus here, by putting himself equal with David, is claiming deity. And, and we're going to see that in verse 5. And, and so Jesus takes this, and, and he's using this story to show that there are limits to legalism. There are limits to, to how we strictly apply laws and we need to understand the intent. We need to love others as we do this. And so then he goes on in verse 5 and says, and he said to them, the son of man, and there's lots of debate of whether that's just people. I, I think it's clearly a, a, a title of Jesus. The son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. And at that moment, he does proclaim that he is God. Because no one except God was Lord over God's commands. And, and we see in that an astonishing claim to his Messiahship, but also when we understand the Sabbath, we also see Jesus putting himself as the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And, and I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but the Sabbath, one of the ways that they treated the Sabbath was that six days you work and then this was a foretaste of what heaven would be like. 
the, the rest and, and being in communion with God, being in communion with others. This is a foretaste of what we could look forward to. And Jesus here, when he's Lord of the Sabbath, he's Lord over it, but he also fulfills it. In Colossians 2, 16, Paul, Paul says that. says, let no one pass judgment to you on the question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or, or new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. They're a shadow of what is to come, the, the kingdom of God, and the substance of that is Christ. He is the fulfillment. He represents everything the Sabbath was intended to give. He represents peace. He represents rest. He represents restoration. He represents communion. He represents an ability to be in communion with other believers as he makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Jesus here is correcting their legalistic view of the Sabbath. Saying this was a wonderful gift to draw you into God's presence, to draw you to each other, to give you time for that. It's not to be a burden. Remember people is I think what he's saying. Traditions are a great servant. They help us. I love traditions, some. But they're also a toxic, lousy master when that's the end. Jump to the next story, verse 6. We need to keep moving. The Sabbath is an ideal day to love and help others. The Sabbath is an ideal day to love and help others. Growing up, when I thought of the Sabbath or the Lord's Day, Sunday, and and the day of rest, my picture was that it was sort of about me. I could do what I want. Yeah, we were interrupted by church in the morning, um, but then I could do what I want. I could relax because I shouldn't be made to mow the lawn, shouldn't be made to do homework. My kids still use those on me. (laughs) I, I shouldn't have to do any chores. TV, good. Football, great. And so that's my view of the Sabbath. And, and I think so many times that's where a legalistic view of the Sabbath can lead. It's, it's, it's about me and it's about making it what I want to do. In these verses, Jesus says, actually, it's an ideal day to love and help others. It's an ideal day to set aside some time to get outside of ourselves. Verse 6, on another Sabbath. So it's a a different day. On another Sabbath, he, being Jesus, entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. And and again, that that we have Dr. Luke here. He gives us a little more detail. No one else says it's his right hand. But withered is is either paralyzed or or somehow deformed. Right hand was significant because most of them were right-handers. And that's how you worked, was with your right hand. Left-handers, sorry guys. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they weren't real well respected, but right hand is what you were expected to do your work with. And so Luke's pointing out his life is, is, his lifestyle is done. He can't work. He has this paralyzed or atrophied hand. Um, also, if you were maimed in some way, you weren't allowed to participate in temple worship. There were certain other parts of worship that you were left out of. And so this man is in the synagogue and he could be in the synagogue. And and Jesus sees that. Now, some think that maybe this man was a plant, that maybe the Pharisees put him there to catch Jesus. Quite possibly, we don't know. But in verse 7, what we do know, the scribes and Pharisees watched him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. 
And, and get the picture here. There's, there's several words for watch. This one is the idea of, I'm going to watch you out of the corner of my eye. See what you're going to do. I'm going to catch you at something. It's spying on, looking to, um, to find evil or find a problem with someone. To lie and wait for is one of the definitions of this word, which is why people think the guy might have been a plant if they're lying and wait for Jesus. And so the, the Pharisees are there watching, and, and note, they're not caring about the guy with the withered hand. Their focus is how to destroy Jesus. On the Sabbath, we'll get there. It goes on. But he, being Jesus, knew their thoughts. Again, another time we see that. We saw that with Pastor Andrew. He knew their thoughts and said to the man with the withered hand, Come, stand here. Oh man, this is classic. And he rose and stood there. And so Jesus knew their thoughts. He knew what they were trying to do. And rather than fall into their trap, he's just taking leadership and saying, I'm going to use this to teach you. I'm going to use this to instruct you. And so he, he has the guy standing up next to him. And Jesus just poses a question. I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save a life or to destroy it? And that first phrase, to do good or good, do harm, is, is a reference to this guy with the withered hand, and they're seeing if they'll heal him. And Jesus says, it's either one or the other. Either I'm going to do good, or I'm going to do harm by leaving him the way he is. So which is, is more true to the spirit of the Sabbath? There was no, let's wait till later to heal them. Jesus is pointing out, if you see a need, and you're able to help, It is evil not to help. And the Pharisees were caught. James worded it like this, for he who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's sin. And then Jesus says, what about life and death? Is it it lawful to save a life or destroy it? And that might have been talking about the man and, and his withered hand. I actually think Jesus is turning it on the Pharisees and saying, you're actually plotting to kill me on the Sabbath. You're plotting to destroy me. Who's violating the Sabbath here? And he looks around. After looking around at them all, he said, stretch out your hand. So he looks around. They have no answer because they're caught. Do you say, no, you shouldn't do good on the Sabbath because then you're doing evil? But if they say that you should do good, then they're going to allow him to heal, which is against the, the, the Sabbath laws. And after looking around, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And it was healed. And so the Pharisees rejoiced at this man's life being restored. Huh. It's not what verse 11 says. But they were filled filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Matthew and Mark say how to destroy Jesus. They were, and the filled with fury is being mad, almost. And not, not mad as an angry, but, but um, crazy. Crazy. They, they were just filled with this anger. And they missed the point. They missed the royal law of loving your neighbor as yourself that James talked about. 
they miss that that is a controlling factor for how we apply the Sabbath. In fact, they put a low value on loving others and, and were willing to violate the Sabbath themselves to protect their power struggle, to destroy Jesus, to plot against his life. One author wrote, Had they understood the Sabbath, they would have seen that deeds of mercy like Jesus's were not merely permitted, they were obligatory. Obligatory. They were required because that's loving God. And Jesus calls them on their sin and points out that doing good for others is part of why the Sabbath exists. See, in these two stories, Jesus deliberately says, in effect, it might be your kind of Sabbath to leave men hungry and disabled. But my Sabbath isn't like that. My Sabbath meets needs. My Sabbath restores and heals. So we see this, the Sabbath, like any day, is an appropriate day to minister, to meet needs, and to help others. In fact, it's a great day to do that because we pause long enough and give ourselves time to do that. If you turn over to the backside of your notes, and I want to run through these quickly, what do we do with this? We have, we have 10 minutes to, to you know, flush out everything you need to know about the Sabbath. This is just going to be an overview. But what do we do with this? How do we put this into practice? Why are we meeting on Sunday and not Saturday or Friday evening? And so I want to I give some ideas here. The, the answer to that, by the way, is, is the early church. We find several places in the New Testament. The early church changed the Lord's Day to be Sunday the, to honor the resurrection. And so we know that the tradition of the early church, we have, we have three places in the New Testament to talk about it, was to meet on Sundays. And that is what they called the Lord's Day. So that answers that question. But how do we keep the Sabbath holy in, the, in, in today's world? Holy to the Lord in today's world. The first thing is we need to understand that it's to be kept holy. Every, almost everywhere where the Sabbath is talked about, 18 out of 19 times the Sabbath is talked about in the Old Testament, it is said to keep it holy. You will rest to keep it holy. It, it, the, the purpose of the Sabbath had to do with holiness. And there's two aspects to holiness. We've talked about the definition. One is to be set apart. It's to be a different day. The other is for righteousness. And so this is a day that is set apart for righteousness, always for something. In fact, in most of those times in the Old Testament, it says holy to the Lord. And so out of this, we see a theology that says the Sabbath is the Lord's day. It's a time that I should be dedicated to doing God's work coming and worshiping, to doing his work in the church and in the community, to being about what God wants me to be about. I love football, but that's not the purpose of Sunday. I'm not saying it's wrong to watch football. I'm going to watch some today probably. But that's not the purpose. The Westminster Confession, I, I think I put that at the top of your page. They give a long definition, which is marvelous. The Sabbath is then 
kept holy unto the Lord. When men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe a holy rest all the day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but also are taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of his worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. Got that memorized? It's the same three parts. Did you notice it? The first part is to rest from their work, from their worldly employments and recreations. But then the purpose of that is the public and private exercise of his worship, love God, and in the duties of necessity and mercy, love others. And so that's why the summary, we rest to love God and love others. That's what the Sabbath is about. So if we think of those three things, how do we do this? How do we put it into practice? Number one there, we rest. Rest is to hit pause on our busyness so we can hear God and do what pleases Him. It's rest for restoration to be ready to do God's work. There is a huge value to rest, to taking a break. Don't, don't work seven days a week. Now, now again, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Some professions you work on Sundays. Some professions you do, but do you take another day off? Some professions you're seven days on, seven days off. You got seven days of Sabbath then. I mean, so, so, so think in terms of God is trying to say, don't let your work consume you. It's not all there is. Take a break. Hit pause on the noise of life, on the busyness of life. Are, are you ever in a car? I saw, I saw a blog this morning, actually, that sort of made fun of this, but I think it's true. I'm looking for something in the car, trying to find something. And what do I tell my kids? Can you quiet down? I'm trying to find something. Now, if you think about that logically, that doesn't make any sense, right? What it, one is my ears, one is my eyes, but it makes sense because it's a focus issue, right? And, and I've got to have it quiet so I can think. And, and, and yeah, that's a little bit of what this is. Hitting pause on our normal events of life, our normal work. That word for work in, in the Old Testament actually is vocational work, what you do as a living but to take a pause on that and make sure, make sure our lives are centered on God. Make sure you take some time off every week. Filling the Sabbath, and, and there's some truth to that, but in reality, I take a different day off every week because that's still important for me to pause and listen to God and to do some of these other things. It's why you won't see me here on Mondays. You won't see Pastor Andrews, <laughs> both of them, here on Mondays. That's a day that that we are going to rest, not just for ourselves, but to do God's work and to be ready to do God's work. Often when you take rest, we come back just more revived and refreshed and ready to do God's work. You know, I, I think this one, though, I don't want to spend a huge amount of time on because we live in a culture of leisure and rest. Very few of you work six days a week. Most of us have multiple Sabbath days of rest in a week. And so to, to, to crave more is, is just a really interesting dynamic of our culture. But then some, some of us are, are workaholics, and we need to be reminded to rest, to listen to God, rest for a purpose. But number two, 
that purpose that we see throughout Scripture is to love God and to love others. And so number two, intentionally devote the day to God. Keep it holy. Wayne Grudem says the Sabbath day was made holy because it was set apart from the ordinary activities of the world and dedicated to God's service. And so, and I I use the word intentional because if we're to, to honor the Sabbath, if we're to keep it holy, we've got to make plans. We've got to be intentional. Now, now chances are you, you came to church because that's a habit. That's a normal thing. But what else are you going to do today to honor God? What else are you going to do to serve Him, to, to be about His work? And, and so there's some things there. Just run through those quickly. The first, put a priority on coming together to worship. Put a priority on coming together to worship. Incidentally, if, if you're saying, well, it's, it's the Sabbath, I shouldn't have to come together to worship, I put a whole list of verses there that are examples that the Sabbath day was about the convocation, the assembly, the coming together. In fact, Jesus was teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. It was his practice to come together. But put a priority on coming together and worship. This is one of the ways we honor God and keep it holy and say we're going to set this day apart to gather with other believers, to encourage each other, but to worship God together. There's something else I'd encourage. And and these are lists, and, and please don't take these and say you have to do all eight of these things. These are ideas and some mix of these that, that helps you love God and love others on the Sabbath is really what you're looking for. But the second one there is dedicate time to worship God and reflect on Him alone as well. Maybe take a walk and pray. Maybe take 15 minutes and just read through one of the Psalms, a couple of the Psalms, but do something that nourishes your soul in a way of giving praise to God making sure this relationship is right. And, and again, it's a, it's a pause once a week to make sure this relationship's right, make sure these are right. Third question there, how can I do God's work today? How can I do God's work today? The Sabbath is to be about His work, to serve Him. And so there may be times that, that we, we do things. Sometimes we, I know missions meetings, some committees sometimes meet, and other things happen on a Sunday. That's a perfect day for that. That's honoring the Sabbath. Because we are doing God's work and saying, I'm going to separate time away to do that. In our case, where we have people coming from all over, it's actually often a way to love each other. To say, we're already here. Let's get together and let's talk. Let's do God's work and make this happen. That's a loving act. Finally, the fourth one, and this isn't so much something to do as a mindset. See the Sabbath as a day to trust God with our work, finances, and do His work. Orange County is hard to live in. Rents are sky high. Everything is expensive, right? Anyone living cheaply? No, don't answer that. Some of you have owned your houses for many years, and you are. (laughs) And, and the, the pressure can be sometimes I have to work seven days a week. I have to get a second job, a third job just to survive here. I would challenge you that honoring the Sabbath is to take a day and still trust God. That he's got you. Give him a day. The third thing there, intentionally love others. And again, this is maybe a mix. How am I going to honor others? Which is, we saw in both of our texts today. How am I going to put a priority on people? 
and, and some questions you can ask. The first is, are there any needs I can meet today? See, the Sabbath frees us up to rest, enjoy God, and not shackle us from serving others. In fact, it gives us opportunities to. So are there any needs I can meet today? A great thing to do on, on, on the Lord's Day is to say, how can we as a family meet someone's need? And you take and use it as a family activity. Say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to find a way. So-and-so is, is a shut-in, wasn't able to make it to church today. Let's go visit them. Let's go surprise them with something that they need. Or, or you know, whatever it is, we hear of needs all the time. What if we, we intentionally set aside Sunday and gave a couple hours to do some things like that? It radically changed how we view things. B, how can I connect with others today building strong church family community? See, one of the authors said, Jesus is arguing that the law seeks to encourage righteousness and healthy involvement with people. So one of the ways that we, we honor the Lord's Day is by spending time with each other. Healthy interactions. Game night together with the, with the family of Christ, with the church family. That's honoring the Lord's Day. It's not burdensome. It's a joy. Unless you're playing risk with certain of you. But no. <laughs> and and that's, that's Jesus' point is this was meant to be a gift and a joy. I think a third question to ask on the Sabbath is how can I build up my physical family as well? Some of you are gone from your family a lot because of work. And Sunday might be a great chance to reconnect. To do something together. Maybe it is doing the activity to help someone else. Maybe it's a special lunch. You know, I, I, I loved in Israel this feast where you brought in family and friends and extended family and said, this is our time to connect. People are telling stories. Rah, rah, rah. It's awesome. That's what the Sabbath was for. One of the things that the Sabbath was for. And finally, D there, this is not a me day. It's not a day for me to just abstain from everything but from some things for the purpose of other things. I just think about it theologically, because this is all based on creation. Did God cease all work on the seventh day? Or let, let me rephrase that. Did he cease all activity on the seventh day? So things like he holds the universe together and he holds the atoms together in his hand, he kept doing that. Otherwise, we'd be gone. He still keeps doing that. He ceased from the, the creative work, what, what was to symbolize vocational work, for other things. Did he still walk with Adam and Eve before the fall on the Sabbath? Oh, yeah, I bet those were great walks. And so God still, there was still activity, but it was directed in a different way. And that's our example. We are to, to, to rest from something to do something. It's not just about the Packers. Isaiah 58, and I'll close with this. We need to close. It's a verse we read in worship this morning, but it catches this idea. If you turn your back, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight to enjoy it, and a holy day of the Lord, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And he goes on with blessings. I challenge you. Honor the Lord's Day. 
Find a day in honor. It doesn't have to be exactly at the same time every week, but find a time each week to honor the Lord's Day by devoting time to worship, to the assembling of ourselves together in worship, to doing God's work as, a, as an act of worship, and by devoting time to each other, to meeting needs, to caring for each other. To hear the words of Jesus when he says, is it lawful to do good or to do harm? What good are we going to do today? I hope some really good things. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your instructions concerning the Lord's Day. Thank you that you challenge us to take a day apart from our activities, our normal activities, to really be intentional about our walk with you and our relationships with others. Lord, I pray that that would be our heart and our dedication. Lord, that we would hit the pause button in a busy, crazy world. That we'd hit the pause button for what's important and really focus on those things. Lord, we love you. We delight in you today. We love worshiping you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.